Hey, this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour, and you are listening to Labrador Leadership with Bob Nolly. Oh, that was cool. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, you keep coming back, and I'm so glad you do. Welcome to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Folks, ladies and gents, you spend a lot of time on Facebook. I bet you do. All that stimulating thought traffic there. <laughs> or are you a fan of the 140-character burst on Twitter? Oh, you're an Instagram freak. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Are you just on LinkedIn? Because you feel like you have to be an adult from time to time. Listen to me, folks. The reason we put up with all of that is for one reason, and that reason is this. So we can find people in our past. And one of the most happy occasions that I experienced over the past couple of weeks is stumbling across an old friend from high school and college who is now an entrepreneur of the serial sense and a real LinkedIn expert. Mark Halpert, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bob. You know, we haven't been in touch in a long, long time, but you just skip right back to where you were back in college. It's just amazing. That's right. I mean, you know, in, we were both in Richmond for a while, and, you know, it's a small it's a small town. Not no more. No, not anymore. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to think that way. We have a bike race this weekend, and all the, the, the globe is descending upon us. We can't handle it. The infrastructure is going to break down, and I'm sure that'll be the cause we're in the news. Well, better than what we've got coming up here in New York, we've got the Pope coming next week. <laughs> I was in a D.C. when the Pope came to D.C. several years ago. That locked up the town totally. I, I was in New York on Wednesday this week, and I can tell you that it's just getting tighter and tighter, and there are giant cement blocks on Fifth Avenue, ostensibly to keep the people back from the Pope, but I think it's to keep the Pope back from the people. <laughs> It, it, the New York is, they're not ready for this. And this is a city that's ready for virtually everything, anything. So this is going to be wild. Oh uh, my gosh. Crazy. Oh, anyway. well, yeah, you, he'll, he'll leave and go back and he'll leave his blessings on many and it'll be like it never happened. Yep. Yep. There we go. So, you know, you and I were in high school together and, you know, I don't, you know, we weren't, we weren't jocks and uh, we weren't geeks either. You know, we were just normal guys. We didn't hang out in the same circles. Really. I mean, we were in the mid-teens. What the heck? But when we went away to college at Virginia, what was so funny, I think so many people go off to college and go, I'm going to meet a lot of new people. It's going to be a great experience. I remember getting to Virginia, and there were like 20 people from our high school class in the same dorm. Yeah, there were 60 of us from the high school graduated class. So you couldn't go anywhere without seeing something you knew, which was good. And it wasn't so good sometimes because yeah, we wanted so to gravitate either. to the people we knew. <laughs> and so we were all hanging out down there in the lounge. And that dorm, that used to be called, these dorms were the new dorms, you know, the, new, the newer structures put up in the uh, early 70s. They just torn them down. They're gone. Oh, that's one thing that makes you feel older at some point. Well, let's put it in perspective. The old dorms are still there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> They're probably a historical landmarks are protected <laughs> under some auspice of that nature. Probably. But when we got out of there, then we did did go your separate ways and you ended up, you know, we didn't follow the same path, but you ended up going through the corporate finance world for a while. And what did you do? The first thing you did when you jumped out of the university, well, 
I left the University of Virginia and I immediately went to MBA school. I went to GW in DC and I kept moving north. Uh, my parents were northerners. I was smitten by the bug of the culture and the attractiveness and the spirit of what's north of Richmond. And I sort of look at Richmond as a great place to have been brought up, but I moved on. And uh, after DC, I was recruited to go to a large bank. Most people never heard of this bank. If you're under 40, but it was named Manufacturers Hanover Trust. Manny. Manny Hanny was the third largest bank in the world at that point. It's now part of Chase somewhere. I don't know. But um, went to be a multinational corporate lender because uh, my MBA was in international business. And then I went to, cor- uh, to, t- to lend money to multinational corporations in New York. And then in, uh, I went to the Chicago branch or the Chicago Edge Act for those who remember that. Um, and just didn't like it and came back east and became a corporate treasury guy, the guy who meets with the banks and negotiates with, for the money with the banks, bank relations. And uh, did that for several companies all in the Connecticut area. Connecticut at that point still is to a certain extent a large hotbed of corporate multinational headquarters. So it was easy for me to jump from one to the other to the other. And finally ended up at as treasurer, the treasurer for uh, North America and uh, South America. Uh, for AC Nielsen, a really well-known, still exists. That's a big name, absolutely. Yeah, good name. It was it actually was one of my banking customers when I was in Chicago. So the world comes around in funny circles, and um, it was acquired. And it was being acquired because senior management was coming to me with all sorts of questions about you know how do we show this and how do we do that. And I said, all right, guys, what's going on? And they said, well, you know, we're on, we're for sale. And I knew that it was always going to be for sale. And they came to me and they said, would you like to move to the Netherlands? And I said, well, that sounds interesting. Where are we going? Amsterdam? They said, oh, no, 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 some other place. I looked it up on the map. At that point, we had the internet, so you could look at that. <laughs> and I said, and, and my daughter was going, rising senior in high school. And I said, I can't move, so I'm going to have to say goodbye. And actually, I needed the kick out of corporate because I had burned out in the corporate world. And I had this idea that I was going to go into business for myself and I was going to go conquer the world. And um, I went out to business in July, August, September. You know, it gets quiet around here, August, September of 2001. And September 11th, 2001, two big planes hit two big buildings. And then my brand new spanking business died. No one was doing anything. What was that time like for you personally? I was just hugely afraid I had made the most giant mistake of my life. And then I was desperately trying to get my head around, do I have the, can I swallow my pride and go back to corporate? I didn't really want to do it. And so I was trying to make appointments. No one wanted to see anybody, especially a new business, especially pushing a new technology for electronic payments for businesses, small businesses and nonprofits. I I remember what a battle it was to get people to uh, accept be paid by direct deposit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, out of catastrophe, and this, I hope this doesn't sound wrong, but out of that catastrophe did come some new good things. The whole technology of electronic payments, remote deposit capture, where you can deposit a check on your phone now, making payments out of your checking account electronically or receiving payments, all that, credit card processing, all got streamlined because you could make donations to nonprofits for tsunamis, earthquakes, floods, you name it, in any way, shape, or form you wanted to. So all these new technologies were coming together, and I saw a good opportunity out of it. So right after uh, 
September 11th, I went to a nonprofit here in Connecticut, and the woman said to me, I can't give you any business. We're just so lost here. We don't know what we're doing. But I will tell you that there's something you ought to think about carefully. So I'm always all ears when somebody's giving free advice. And I said, she said, you really need to call on nonprofits. It's the largest industry in the world. It is most ignored in terms of electronic payments, and probably you have some great opportunity there. And I said, that's really interesting. I went home and I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it a whirl because corporate wasn't seeing me, so we as well go the nonprofit route. So started doing that, started opening up um, to accepting registrations and donations online, electronically, uh, a registration for events, galas, walkathons, phonathons, swimathons, golf outings, you name it. And I still do that. Along the line, as I was getting my cutting my teeth in credit card processing. I met a guy down in Dallas and he said to me, you know, you collect people like baseball cards. How do you keep them all straight? And I said, I don't. I have three Rolodexes on my desk. I have the good guy Rolodex. Those are the ones that are people I'm always in contact with, the entourage of great people that I rely upon the most. I have the middle guy Rolodex, people that I have touch with from time to time. And then there's going to be the Rolodex, Bob, where you'd be of the cards of people that if I just lost the card, I'd forget them completely. So I better just keep that card and figure out where they went someday. He said, this will allow you to find people as they move around. And I said, what's it called? And he says, it's called LinkedIn. I said, wow, I really need that for my business because I want to build my business on my reputation as being reliable, as being a known commodity with people I know, as opposed to breaking into people I don't know. That's good too, of course. You always have to build that. So I went to a lot of classes on LinkedIn. By the time I got to the point where I said, I know more than this teacher because he or she can't answer that question and I know the answer, a friend of mine came to me and said, you know, we're having a get-together of the senior management of my accounting firm. Would you do me a favor? Would you come in and give a 30-minute little talk about why LinkedIn's important and how to really do well with LinkedIn? I said, sure, I'll be happy to do it for you. This woman was wonderful. So I Gave the 30-minute presentation. About 25 minutes after I started, she walked out and came back in with like this big grin on her face. And I said, that's weird. All right. So I (laughs) did my thing and she thanked me and she said, I have an honorarium for you. And I was not expecting that. I was just doing it as a favor for her. And I put it in my pocket and I said goodbye to everybody. I got back on the train to Connecticut and I opened up the honorarium in my pocket and I went, Holy, well, oh my goodness, look, look at this, look at this check. I can get paid for this. Let's start doing that too. And that started a second new business. So I am a multipreneur. I do two things. I do electronic payments and I do LinkedIn training and one feeds the other. Clients from one become clients of the other. So which one of those gets you excited and makes you put your feet on the floor in the morning? You know, I love them both. I think the most satisfaction I get is from helping people really express who they are and what, why they do what they do, and that's going to be the LinkedIn side. The electronic payment side, I dearly love, and all my clients compliment me. I hate to sound this way, but you know, I just as you mentioned when we were talking before we broadcast, I wrote a, sec, a, a, a posting on LinkedIn called Reflections on My Business Anniversary. I have 14 years in credit card processing. Uh, you, you, you extract some big rules and one of them is you've got to exceed expectations and not only in one business but in both businesses i have to be me in everything i do so um i really love the linkedin side because i am able to get into the hearts and the heads of people who are 
doing absolutely fascinating things that don't know how to express themselves. And when I can give them the voice that they're looking for, and then they contact me back later and says, I just landed a piece of business or somebody came my way and I made the, the contact of a lifetime all because of LinkedIn, then that really puts the whole thing on paper for me. I, I think it's even broader than that. I think the idea that you can even uh, help people that can't quite get their wheels and the ruts in the road on track, you can help them get on track and being productive and moving forward with some effectiveness, whether it's in career movement or sales or job search or anything of that nature. It's all of that. And, and it's every walk of life. We're all trained. You're the same age as I am, obviously, from what we all said. If you were, if you were born in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or even in the first decade of the century, you were taught not to talk about yourself. That's right. And Absolutely that is not. so ingrained in us that people are killing themselves to try to figure out how to make themselves look interesting on LinkedIn. And I give them the facility to do that by kicking them along the way to say why you do what you do and how you do it. So I've worked with a Broadway actress who oh. couldn't talk about herself. I'm walking with, working with an author right now of four incredibly complex spy novels. He can write like the wind and he can't talk about himself. He's scared. We're all scared to sound ego-centered. But the 20-year-olds right now, they're talking about themselves like crazy. So if you're a CEO or any C-level person or not even at that level out there, and you're trying to figure out how to get found on LinkedIn to open new business and new opportunities for you, take a look at what you have in your LinkedIn profile. I'll bet you you're not getting any resonance because... You look boring as hell on LinkedIn. You yeah. copied and pasted your resume. Yeah, I think the CEOs today, we require so much of them, whether they're the board of directors or key stakeholders, you know, we expect them to be pros and well-versed in finance and marketing and strategy and operations and whatever the widget is they're making and that and HR. And, you know, that's just totally impossible. That's totally impossible. You get Everybody's a great got a blind spot. You get a great opportunity on LinkedIn to talk about yourself in your own words, tell your own story in your own way. And if you're a C-level person, you and everybody on your staff below you has to also kick the line. Go the, walk the line with everybody. And all of this has to be consistent with the corporate mentality. You have been or one of those people that do that so well. And as we just mentioned, you have just today, and it's today for us, if you're not listening to us today, well, you know, it'll be yesterday for you. Reflections on your business anniversary, 14 years in business. And you have some great points here that are so well elucidated and so well put forth. I just want to hit a couple of them. And one of them is offering alternative methods of communications. Because we talk about communication styles here and by nature, I, I tend to be a little bit of a wordsmith, even though I can't quite choke out the right word from time to time. <laughs> but I think that's so important. So what? say something about that. Well, this is an intergenerational issue. Uh, every generation has its preferred method of communications. Um, but when you really have to have a heart-to-heart -heart with somebody, you better not email them. You better not text them because they're, they're, they're without tone. You don't know what somebody's saying. So if you were to take an, a, 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 a 
extract of what we're saying and just put it into words onto paper, you're not going to get the tonality, the inference of what I'm talking about, what you're talking about, Bob, in that reading. You need to have a phone conversation. Remember when the phone used to ring? Well, it doesn't ring anymore. No. Because we're all gone to this texting and email and all the other stuff. So find the right method of communication. And God, if it means going to visit somebody, shake their hand. Look at them in the eye. And if it's a tough conversation, you better do this at least on the phone or face-to-face because you may find a way to move it to a positive way and a more, I guess, consultative method than if you just shoot them an email and let it, let it hang there. I, I think I'd go even further and to say because of the technology we're in, the way we communicate, and the omnipresence of social media – that would we so much so that when we hear the default iPhone sound of the marimba marimba <laughs> ringtone, we all flinch. Everybody, Everybody flinches. flinches the sa- their same know. phone because they all have the same ringtone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and because <laughs> of all of these things, I think we are. Cr- this is almost anthropological. But I think we are <laughs> craving real relationships now. I, I would agree with you. And there are ways to have real relationships on social media. You just have to think outside of the obvious. You have to find reasons to touch people. Uh, You also have to be immediate and to the moment because customers don't want to wait for you anymore. They want to move. And if you're not moving as fast as they want to move. So you have to use the methods of communication in the way that makes sense for the situation. Two other items you had in the article that I think fall into this, uh, this part of the conversation is ask favors if warranted and ask for help. (sighs) Yeah. You know, again, part of this worry about appearing either too egotistical or too needy. It's, you know, works on two ends of the spectrum. There's nothing in between. So if you're looking for a reference when you're putting out a proposal or you have a client or a customer that has told you, wow, Bob, you did a hell of a good job. I really appreciate what you did. I'm going to put it on the LinkedIn context. You ask that person right then and there. You know, that's really nice of you. Let me just get rid of this. Hold on a minute. See, I uh, flinched right there hearing that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> did. On the, um, uh, you, you, better be, um, you better be ready to ask the right person to say, you know, that was really positive energy. I really appreciate what you said to me. Can you memorialize that in a LinkedIn, prof- in a LinkedIn recommendation? And if they really meant it, They'll do it. And the other thing is, it's not, there's nothing wrong with being told, no, I'd rather not refer you. You at least know right then and there exactly where you stand and move on and find the next person who wants to recommend you. But the best part about asking a recommendation the first time is when somebody says to you, I thought you'd never ask me. And you say to yourself, boy, I'm stupid. I should have asked for that. So, Collect the good people and keep them on a short string and thank them whenever they give you that favor and find a way to return that favor. It's yeah, not, that gratitude is very important. And it's thank them in, 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 a, in a sincere and honest and really warm way. And it's not send them a gift or send them flowers. It's refer them business. Shoot them an article you read and say, hey, Bob, this is right up your alley. I thought about you when I read that. Everybody likes to be thought about. And asking for help. You know, there's a wonderful book out there written by Leslie Grossman. It's called Link Out. And if you haven't read it, it's a quick read. It's a, it's a good read. And it's all about linking out and 
collecting around you an entourage of great people you can rely upon. It's just many other points, but the one I love the takeaway is the expertise of the people that you rely upon will never fail you. Um, you can't be everything to everybody. And I end this little section on my post about have a great IT person, have a great PR person, have a great accountant, have a great lawyer. You don't pull your own teeth. So why try to <laughs> learn all about how to do it? So get out there and find the right people. I've got a great video guy. He has done some amazing video work with me. And he and I are going to meet next week. And we're going to talk about new video. We work it out together. And these are the people that I can call at a moment's notice. I need your help. Or I have a great reference referral for you. But you got to do this right now. And they know me well enough to know. When I say right now, I mean right now. That's that's a great perspective. I, I want to ask you a couple of things here. You've, you've created so much content under the LinkedIn umbrella. I want to ask you a question from two different ends of the continuum here. What to a CEO, a guy that's in the chair at the top of the house, whether it's thousands of employees or just 100 or just 50, what is the value that LinkedIn can provide to the person that is in that C-suite chair? Uh, first of all, you don't know who can ever find you and be your next new great customer. LinkedIn, at the end of the day, is one gigantic database. And if you're a, uh, this chief executive officer of a company that makes this or that, let's use an example I'm, use, uh, I'm working with right now. It's a guy in Europe, and he's a s- chief executive of a home housewares company, and it's all artistically designed and highly technological. And I met him in New York now twice. And we're talking about me teaching his entire firm from him all the way down to the people who answer the phone. And it's a small firm, but the same thing goes with large firms. Everybody has to be a strong link in the chain. Everybody's LinkedIn profile has to convey the image and the culture of the corporation. One break in the chain, the chain is weakened. So he said to me, and this is such a great quote. You and I, I told you this once before. He says to me, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I want everybody else who works for me to be smarter than me. And that was like, wow, that's so cool. Because he realizes that though he sits at the top and has his fingers in everything at a high level, managerial level, he's never going to get down to the level where you're t- he's talking to the customer or solving the little problem that the customer's having. All the people who work for him are solving those microcosm micro type issues. He's the one who has to look good and push down to the lower levels and the lower levels have to push back up to him the reinforcement that they're doing what he wants them to do. That's perfect perspective on that. All right. What about at the other end, the, the folks that are job seekers now? You know, I talk to a lot of headhunters and recruiters and corporate HR people and they tell me that they don't read resumes. They hardly ever see resumes anymore. Resumes come in electronically or on paper and they feed them through a machine and they pull out keywords and the five people with the most keywords that are matching what the search is all about. Those go to the short list and then they look at the LinkedIn profile of the people on the short list. So if you're a job seeker, no matter what level you're at, your LinkedIn profile has to be complementary to your resume. Your resume is backward looking. Right, just, all, what did you mean by complimentary there now? You have, to t- you have two places to tell your life story. Your resume is the past. Your LinkedIn profile is the present, is who you are today based upon your past and where you want to go in your future in your next job. I think that summary section is just hugely o- often overlooked. I'll just say often overlooked. 
Your, su- your summary section is your great elevator pitch. You've got three floors. You better say it fast. You better. So I like to t- tell people, take a look, especially if you're a job seeker, but no matter what you do in life, take a look at your LinkedIn profile. It's like a newspaper on a newsstand. The picture and the headline makes you want to pick it up or makes you stop in your tracks. So your headline is not about VP at XYZ Corporation. It should be something like seasoned financial executive with experience in M&A, seeking next great opportunity in an amazing corporation. Something like that. And you talked about 140 characters on a tweet. You get 120 characters on your headline. That's hard. You have to bake your entire experience down to 120 characters. So you catch them right there. Then you want them to read that summary that you were just talking about. That's also limited. It's got far more characters in it, but then you want them to read down based upon what your summary says about who you are today and what you want to do in your future. These are the skills I bring with me to the next job. They're the skills I learned in my experience down below. Make them read down to the bottom. And, and make I've it got provoking too. Make it thought provoking. Make it rich. Express yourself. If you if you like to have fun, make it a little bit fun to read. Uh, one of the best things I've ever seen is, and I've done this myself, is I have an interesting little funny, punny story at the bottom of my LinkedIn profile. And when somebody says to me, I love the pun at the bottom of your profile, I know they read all the way down to the bottom. So you've got all these little tricks that you can play with to make yourself stand out in people's minds. But here's the biggest thing, Bob, that everybody has to understand. You may get a phone call or you may get an email from somebody if they've read your profile, they're making a decision about whether you're a valid or a good person to deal with, at least on a superficial level, based upon what you've told them on your profile. You better have an amazing profile. So it's a warmer, richer first shot at a relationship. You want your value system to ooze out through it. Who's going to say that but you? It's not your resume. Cut and paste to your LinkedIn profile. That's death. Yeah, that's horrible. That's horrible stuff. What's next on the horizon for you? You're celebrating 14 years being in business, as we mentioned in the post. What, what are you looking at when you lift your eyes up to the horizon? Well, I do love te- teaching people, working with people one-on-one. That's the big love I have. I guess I should have been a teacher or a coach all my career, but this is something I've just sort of found all of a sudden. So I'm dealing with people. I, I work with them in four 90-minute sessions, give them homework in between, wrap their knuckles if they don't do homework. I mean, it's all about getting out from under yourself and away from yourself and talking about yourself in a, in a new way. That's morphed. I, you know, I was just on WCBS News Radio 880 here in New York this week talking about new changes in LinkedIn. So I, I love doing TV and radio and, and, and podcasts such as this. So again, thank you if I haven't thanked you enough. Um, the biggest thing on my horizon is I was approached by the American Bar Association to write a book on LinkedIn, marketing concepts for small law firms solo practitioner law firms, and lawyers who might have a CFA, CPA, or other designation. And that's something that will be out in about a year. So I've got all sorts of projects going all the time, just loving every minute. Every opportunity is you know, something to, to get excited about. And I don't know, I just have this, I've been told I have infectious optimism, so I sort of love it. The alternative is much worse, believe me. Oh, well, it's, you know, people say, when are you going to retire? It's like, what's that mean? I what does that mean? Do. That's right. I wouldn't know what to do. I, I don't work that way. So you know, I'll probably both die creating content when we smack our head on our desk and that'll be it. I, I love, love the, we ro- die happy. 
I love the writing. I love exposing new ideas. I love creating a ruckus. I love, you know, and I wrote a blog post called Create a Professional Ruckus, which got hundreds of comments and likes throughout the world. I like knowing that I have an effect on people, not necessarily a huge effect, but just a little bit in the mix. And that makes me feel good. As well it should. Mark Alpert. Multipreneur, LinkedIn group trainer, coach, speaker, and e-payment pro. Where can people find you? This what a loaded question. Ah, Where can people well, find you if they want to reach out to that. you? All right. First of all, website is www.connect2collaborate.com. Connect2collaborate.com. Email address is Mark Halpert, M-A-R-C-H-A-L-P-E-R-T at connect2collaborate.com. I have an about.me page about my speaking engagements and speaking bio. That's about.me slash Mark Halpert. I tweet. I have a daily blog with a LinkedIn nugget every single business day. You can subscribe to that. The name of the website is connecttocollaborate.com and just look for the blog. Well, folks, if you can't find him, I, I don't know what the problem is. Thank you Ask for being Bob. so gracious with your contact info. And thank you for your time today. And let me tell you, sir. It, it won't be decades before we uh, connect again. That's <laughs> I for hope sure. not. Thanks, Bob. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. From Bob. Bob. Many thanks to my buddy Mark Halpert for coming on the show and talking to us today. Great to catch up with him and lots of great thoughts from many perspectives on the power of LinkedIn. Folks, get connected with us. Come to the website, labradorleadership.com, and click on the big orange button. See you next time.